quick note before we get into the episode. Kitchen Confidentials is a podcast for informational purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or professional advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Yo, 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 hoes. Welcome back to the Kitchen Confidentials podcast. And my name is Janice. And for those of you that have just arrived at the podcast, I know there's some new listeners. I have been through a lot of things in my life, as I'm sure many of you have as well. Uh, Some really dark times, some really difficult, um, challenging traumas and things in my life. And I... I'm here to help other people uh, get through those things because I have managed to heal myself and I have managed to overcome a lot of those things. And that's why I'm here. And that's what the podcast is about. And we have discussed a lot about one of those really challenging, stigmatized things, which is that of eating disorders and disordered eating. And I had bulimia for 17 years. And I really want to discuss a lot of how I have healed from that, because even if you don't have an eating disorder, you probably have a bit of disordered eating and you probably have some negative thoughts about yourself and your body image and just feel like we waste our lives hating ourselves and our bodies and trying to change ourselves. And I really want to help other people stop that cycle. So welcome, and I hope that you get something out of this podcast. So today I want to discuss something that is really fundamental to recovering from anything. It's just your ability for your brain to rewire itself. It's called neuroplasticity. So this is this ability for your brain's restructuring or rewiring of itself uh, when it recognizes the need to adapt. So simply put, it's just the brain being able to change throughout your life, which is really incredible. And scientists for a really long time believed that the brain was not really able to change that much. And that after it was fully developed, which we now know is around the age of 25, so mid-20s to late-20s, Uh, The brain's fully developed, and they thought, well, that's that. Once your brain's developed, doesn't change much after that. Um, And thank heavens it does. Uh, It's super cool that the brain can change and that you can actively uh, support those changes in the way that you want your brain to change. And they're actually using uh, neuroplasticity for the treatment of mental health conditions, so For instance, after a brain trauma, say someone had a severe brain injury, they lose the ability to speak for some time. We know with therapy and rehabilitation, sometimes these pathways can actually be rebuilt and recreated, right? Another example is pretty cool. Experts suggest that the negative thought patterns associated with depression actually come from interrupted neuroplasticity processes. So 
a depressed person perhaps engaging in more positive neuroplasticity activities can potentially aid in reshaping those patterns and then enhance those thought patterns and thus enhancing overall well-being because essentially depression is really a lot of it is those negative thoughts patterns from uh, chemical imbalances in your brain. What I want to speak about today is the reprogramming reprogramming of the brain when you are recovering from disordered eating patterns. So one of the things I've overcome is a serious eating disorder, bulimia, and I really want to help a lot of other people that have been through this. So let's talk first about neural pathways. What are they? How are they made? What are they made of? so we got to get into the science a little bit, but I'm going to keep it really, really simple. I don't want to overwhelm you with all these different terms and weird names for things. It's not really relevant to to use them, or it's not like you need them to be able to rewire your brain. But for those of you that are interested, if you remember from school, we had those kind of weird cells that make up the brain. They're like weird shaped cells. They were the cool ones. They kind of were like this long stem and the ends like branch out like trees. So they're like interesting shape almost at the end, like just think of this bulbous shape with like tree branches on the end. So maybe you remember those. They're called neurons. So these cells, the neurons, communicate via electrical impulses that trigger the release of these chemical messengers called neurotransmitters. And this is, these are the messengers that your brain is using to send signals all the time to to bring about any of the actions that you're doing, actually. So the brain is this really complex structure that develops over time. It starts when you're in the womb, when you're just a fetus. And the first part of the brain to develop is the primitive brain. That's the brain stem. It's sensory, motor input, and survival part of the brain, right? This is your reptilian brain. And interestingly enough, these early parts to develop are ones that are like the most difficult to change, of course. They were the first that were like sort of put down and developed uh, a little bit more resilient to change than the rest of the brain. But it's interesting that trauma in early childhood in the womb in the first six or first six months of your life, um, this is the part that kind of gets impacted by that trauma and kind of stays with you and really impacts how you develop. But anyway, I digress. You can read more about that in the book like the body keeps the score uh you you can learn more about how the brain is affected at different uh ages of your life and and how it is more uh sensitive to trauma and impacted in the structure of those really important reptilian parts uh in the early stages of your life but check check out that book it's really good uh The next part to develop is the midbrain and limbic area. That is the area of attachment and emotional development. The last area to develop is the cortical brain. So the area of thinking, learning, language and 
inhibition. And you can see all of the neural pathways and neural wires in your brain that you're trying to change in recovery. You can see all these pathways are kind of like roads, right? And perhaps you have these specific thought patterns that you're used to. I'm sure you can think of some of them that you use more often um, than others. And you can see those as kind of like your highways of the roads, okay? It's easy to take those paths. It's easy to use those thought patterns. And I think for myself, it always used to be like really negative thought patterns. I was really kind of programmed in that way, uh, perhaps from uh, family dynamics or, you know, other parental figures that had the same thought patterns and you kind of adapt what other people to what other people think, right? And so those were like really automated for me. And I'm sure you have the same that you tell yourself every day. Sometimes they're not really good, but okay. Anyway, these are your highways and roads in your brain, these pathways. And there are millions of neural pathways in your brain associated with different thoughts or activities like walking, eating, sports, everything you do. There's these neural pathways that these neurons are firing in to bring about these actions or behaviors. The stronger the neural pathway is, the easier and more automated it feels to continue with that action associated with that pathway. So the stronger the pattern is, it's going to be easier to use, right? That's obvious. And when you have a sickness like binge eating or bulimia, these pathways are so strong because there are also these really intense emotions associated with them. I mean, we know when we binge or have these kind of weird food behaviors or disordered eating patterns, there's so much emotion involved. So many of us eat to deal with emotion, emotional change or, or situations we can't handle. They also provide a reward. So any actions that you are motivated to do, any, any actions in your life that you're motivated to do, you're getting a chemical reward for it in your brain. So think things like using Instagram constantly. There's, there's a reason that we use it. There's a reason it becomes so addictive because you're getting a reward. Uh, ticking off list can give you a reward. Eating gives you a reward. All the things that you want or desire in your life, I'm sure you can think of many of those things that give you pleasure, are part of this reward system in your brain. And it's, it's a normal process. It's a natural process. We need that reward system. We use that reward system to, to bring about these kind of survival uh, actions, right? These things we need for survival. So your brain has evolved this reward system that makes you desire certain things that help you survive or that help the survival of the species, right? But unfortunately, some other activities also have rewards like bulimia, anorexia, binge eating, and yeah, scrolling Instagram and other things we do that provide dopamine fix, like texting the wrong person, uh, can have a reward. And it makes these pathways a lot stronger when you are 
doing those activities and having those thought patterns and carrying out those actions associated with those thought patterns patterns and pathways and you get the strong reward system. So it can feel like really tremendous work to change those habits in the beginning. Those neural pathways are so strong, but I am here to tell you that you can. You can change your brain and it can absolutely change your life. And in the beginning, those new pathways or new habits you will form with new behaviors, it's going to feel like really weird. It's going to be really difficult to do them at first, or you're going to be thinking, oh God, like how I'm going to do this every day. They're not automatic in the beginning, and they're not easy because you're not used to doing them. So imagine it like this. Imagine there is this field, this huge field of grass, and you need to get to the other side of this field. Next to you, there's this highway, but you always take this highway, and this highway is just not taking you where you need to go. You've used it many times, and it's a dead end, baby. It is a dead end. On the other side of this huge grass field, you just know it's all the things you need. Sunshine and daisies on the other side of this grass field. And that's where you're headed. So you're going to struggle a bit in the beginning. Naturally, you're going to wade through high grass to get to the other side. And eventually you're going to get there and you're going to be like, oh, what a mission. I'm like covered in grass, maybe a bug here or there. But after a while... You're going to have a little path form and eventually that path is going to become a wide gravel road. And if you persist long enough, that gravel road can become a tarred road and that tarred road you can turn into a freaking highway. It's the easy trip to the sunshine and daisies or whatever it is on the other side of that grass field that you wanted to get to. And you can forget about the other road. You're not even going to remember the other road was there. And I know that sounds hard to believe, but I promise you it's possible. I have done it and you can do it too. And I've done it with smoking, for instance. I hate that I used to smoke. Like, what a disgusting habit, truly. And I smoked like a box of cigarettes a day for a long time. And it was really hard to stop that addiction but I I didn't even use any substitutes I used entirely like rethinking about it in a different way changing my perspective about it like undoing the brainwashing so new thoughts new rewiring right essentially it's rewiring your brain I used a book uh, called Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And it is the easiest way because it changes the way you think about it. You no longer want it. And when you would normally think in a certain way about the cigarettes, you think about it differently. But no drugs, no uh, substitutes, no nicotine patches. So your brain is super wired to do this drug. Nicotine is extremely addictive and it goes through this actual withdrawal and it's awful. And I craved it throughout the day for weeks until 
I didn't crave it anymore. And now after really many years, uh, like many years, I don't even remember how long because I no longer care and I don't follow it anymore and I'm, I'm like just done. I don't think about it anymore. I don't worry about it. I don't have to wake up every day and say, oh, I'm a cigarette-aholic uh, and I have to try not to do this today and I need to not think about doing cigarettes today. I have just changed the way I've thought about cigarettes and I have just changed that thought pattern and I no longer crave them and I don't worry about them and I don't crave them in the day and I don't have to think about not doing it. It's amazing. Um and yeah, it's disgusting if you do it. I really hope that you can find this book and stop for yourself because it's bad and it's gross and it makes you look ugly and it makes you feel even worse. But okay, I digress. Um, I have done the same with disordered eating and I promise you that if you're listening to this and you have actually any pattern in your life that you want to change, uh, you can change it with repetition of different behaviors and actively changing your thought patterns and your perspective. You can change your brain. And lucky for us, scientists have found that even the areas of the brain most resilient to change show signs of neuroplasticity. And those are the areas that like I spoke about uh, in the book um, I was talking about that are in that book, Body Keeps the Score. Um, the one I was the most worried about, those areas when you really are a young child and you have major trauma, even those show signs of neuroplasticity. So it can be done. And make, make this the year that you implement those really worthwhile changes, like this neural pathway changes with things that you really need to do differently in your life. Um, Make this the year that you do that instead of going on another diet. But yeah, with this in mind, and we haven't spoken about it in a while, I want to recap how you develop bulimia. So let's let's look at this again. So if you have bulimia, how did you get bulimia? We've spoken about it before, but the patterns were lack of self-kindness. So perhaps from a societal influence, media, parents, friends, etc., we learned to dislike ourselves, we learned to dislike our bodies, and wanted to change ourselves. If you were anything like me, you hated yourself. And media keeps telling us still that we need to get fuller lips or bigger butts or smaller waistlines or whatever. We really are conditioned as in our brains are programmed to dislike or hate our bodies. And this then spurs on dieting, right? This encourages you to go on your first diet and many diets after that so that you can change your body because you hate yourself. And this creates the response in your body of primal hunger a very normal response with starvation of the body or starvation of the mind i.e. when you're telling yourself you can't have a certain food, there's starvation of the mind, which then creates binge eating, this primal hunger survival response, and the continued dislike of ourselves and lack of kind self-kindness prompts those behaviors like bulimic behaviors, whether that's um, self-criticism or self-degradation, self-shaming, 
over-exercising, throwing up your food, using diuretics, laxatives, or for some people, just another diet. And on and on it goes. Another diet and another diet, and we just get on the cycle. So essentially what maintains these disordered eating patterns are three things. One is the lack of self-kindness. Two is the restricting of your food. And three is this neural pathway patterns that you get from these behaviors. And thank God all of these things can be changed. And in a future episode, I want to discuss with you some more practical ways of rewiring the brain, how to get present with your eating, how to change the patterns of bulimic behaviors, and what to do when you fail at that. But for now, I want you to get excited. Just excited that these things can be changed because you are so worthy of living a brilliant life and I'm really I know some of you are having a hard time and maybe you feel like you're on the end of your tether with these illnesses and the next diet or hating your body and your poor self body self-image I know how that felt for me really day in and day out waking up, praying to be free of this constant battle against yourself and just like you're in this prison. You're you're not alone. I promise you, you're not alone. You are strong. You can get through this. I guarantee you that no matter how much trauma you have been through, no matter what pain you have been through or who has hurt you or put you through all of this, you are deserving of getting better. You are not too broken to be fixed. You are not too gone to be helped. Just get up another day and another day. And that's why we will say say it on this podcast every time. Keep effing going. Keep going. Don't give in to this. Don't let the demons that you fight every day win. Don't let people who hurt you because they were hurt when you show up for you now keep effing going and if you have a question especially about neuroplasticity i'd love to know what you'd like to hear about or if you have any questions about eating disorders or actually any struggles that you've been through i'd love to talk about overcoming depression uh suicidal tendencies there's a whole lot of things we can talk about in future i'd love to hear from you ask me anything i'm here i i I really love getting your messages and your voice notes uh you can also follow me on kitchen confidentials podcast on insta Uh, i know it's been quiet over there (laughs) bear with me I have a day job. I'm trying my best. I'll get to it. Um, But if you get anything out of this episode, I really ask that you share this with someone else. You never know who may need to hear this. KFG, see you next time. 